Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton. I'm the founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Ween, senior pastor of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. He's also a Transforming Community alumni, which means that he and I have been in relationship for a long time. We know how to have fun in a conversation, and we are looking forward to having fun together today. Hey, everybody. Here we are, episode five, Honoring the Body as a Spiritual Discipline. And we want to say from the outset that there, in a half an hour, there's no possibility that we can get everywhere. But we are going to do something before we do everything, and we want to at least start. We want to just open the conversation. Yes. Um, because there's so many places in which we can't even talk about the body in the context of our spirituality. So we have to start. We have to start. So here we go. Here we're we starting go. somewhere, mm-hmm. and we're getting somewhere. Uh, talk about your own journey, with Ruth, with honoring your body as a spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it involve? And if someone were to try to do something before they do everything as mm-hmm. it relates to honoring the body, where would they mm-hmm. start? So first you, and then where would we yeah. start? Well, um, I'm from a very conservative Christian upbringing, and so we never talked about the body. And of course, any talk that there was about the body was in that youth message yeah where it talks about abstinence and all of that and so you know girls young women lived under this specter of trying really really hard not to be seductive and trying not to draw attention to their sexuality and um being seen as the seductress right uh, very very, that's a very much of a shaping idea that young christian girls get raised with and then of course the boys all feel very guilty about their curiosity and their passion and their hormones the church doesn't know what to do about that either and the only message we're getting is about abstaining and um, all of that. So, so that was very early, and I, I certainly did not have any sense that the body and spirituality were connected at all. So it was really a shock to me when in my early 30s, when I started going to spiritual direction, the first thing my spiritual director wanted to talk to me about was how I was caring for my body. Because I came in exhausted and depleted and not living well in the body. So I was carrying extra weight. I was using caffeine for energy. I wasn't drinking enough water. It was all pop and sugar and I didn't think I had enough time for exercise because I was so busy doing things for yes, God, yes, right? Like I, yes. I had three children and a husband, and I was doing many big things for God. So no time to pay attention to the body. And so the first thing she wanted to talk about was how I was caring for my body, and I was so shocked because I didn't see the connection at all. And she actually drew me into the story of Elijah where the angel comes at God's initiative to help Elijah to eat and drink and to rest because the angel says, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. Well, what journey? Well, it was the spiritual journey. For Elijah, it was the journey into the presence of God, into a greater awareness of God with him and into an encounter with God. And the angel was really saying, you can't take this journey if you're not strong in your body. Your body's the only vehicle that you have to take this journey in. And while we are on this earth, our bodies are the only vehicle we have for taking the spiritual journey. Yes. So if we're not strong in our bodies, then the spiritual journey will not happen as it could and as it should. Uh, I love the Teilhard de Chardin quote, the Jesuit, where he says, we are not... Um, human beings trying to become spiritual. We are spiritual beings trying to become human, which is the incarnational journey. Yes. That's Jesus's journey. Yes. Jesus' journey was being a spiritual being and then taking the journey into the human body, and that's our journey as well. So when we are in this 
process of inhabiting our bodies and learning how to live in our bodies in ways that glorify God, we are on the journey that Jesus himself took through the incarnation. I find that to be a thrilling idea, thrilling idea that I could be in the same journey Jesus was in, in the body. So um, it began in a very spiritual way. And I'm grateful for that because it's, it's challenging in our culture because there are sort of two polarities that we're trying to deal with here. One is the way in which church tradition has all, all, often denigrated the body and has, has perpetuated a sort of dualism as it, as it relates to the body. So the spiritual is good and the body is bad. The spiritual is good, the material is bad. So we're actually shattering a dualism in this conversation as we talk. And then there's the secular society that just objectifies people based on their bodies and yeah. judges them based on their sexual prowess, their sexual attractiveness, um, that objectifies people and just presents their body unrelated to other aspects of who they might be. And so for us as Christians, we're really trying to reclaim a third way right here. And it's, it's very, very challenging to find the third way between the denigration of the body that religious people often lead us into, and then the, the objectification of persons as it relates to their bodies that is characteristic of secular culture. So we're trying to find our way through and the scripture that guides me, there's so many, many wonderful aspects of biblical theology that we could point to here. But one that I that I just really love a lot is the verse in the, in the New Testament, Paul states it, that it's possible for us to glorify God in our bodies. Not glorify the body, but glorify God in your in body. Yeah, and I, I find that to be such a compelling idea that I could actually glorify God in the way that I live my life as a human being in a body. I just love that idea. And it, and it sparked me to want to really consider how can I glorify God in that aspect of my life. So, I mean, it began with very simple things like paying attention to uh, what I was eating and drinking, um, paying attention to exercise and starting to exercise and make a more act- active lifestyle, things like that. And I was doing it, though, for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons, which is what made it such a, a an exciting time in my life, because I wasn't doing it for sexual attractiveness, like the secular culture would right. would be encouraging, but I was doing it out of a response to God because I wanted to live in this body that he's given me as a gift. I wanted to do that in such a way that the person who gave me the gift would be excited that I was loving the gift. Yeah. Because I think about it like how you give somebody a gift and if you give them like a piece of jewelry or a piece of clothing, you're like... The first time they wear it, it's so exciting. And you say, did you like it? Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. And that I think that's how God feels about us. He goes, I've given you these bodies. Do you like it? Do you like living in your body? Are you experiencing it as the gift that I meant for it to be? And we actually please the heart of God when we live well in our bodies and enjoy our life in our bodies. So it started in those very, very simple ways of, of caring for the body. And I think that is the first practice. That's where I would start. Yeah. You start with caring for it, noticing the ways you're not caring for it, and then incorporating some new practices into your life. But I remember the first time that I started to experience endorphins after I exercised. Yeah. And I was learning to incorporate exercise and to tell myself, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to do this. This is part of my spiritual life. And the first time I experienced endorphins and the fact that God intends for us to get these really good mood-lifting hormones in our bodies through exercise, 
better than drugs, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you can get those endorphins going. Um, God has made us in such a way that living our lives well in our bodies, I think, just um, catalyzes energy. It brings out a huge energy in our lives. It, it increases vitality. Um, I think there's something very compelling about a person who's living their lives in this integrated way, yeah. their, their bodies and their spirituality integrated um, as part of their life in God. I love that, and um, I think that can be a really freeing thing for many people. And I think sleep. I mean, we gotta. Yes. We, you know, we we. It's like if we're not getting enough sleep, that's the anchor point for me yeah. too. If if we're not if we're not paying attention to the hours of sleep we get, and really being honest, like. Yeah. I was talking to someone else the other day, and, and they said, you know, I need nine hours of sleep. It, yes. And they mm-hmm. feel guilty about it. Yeah. Um, and I know if you're a young dad or a young mom, yeah. it's tough to get all that. But uh, we can put some discipline in that. Right. Well, the other thing, too, um, about sleep and rest is that it is part of living within the limits of right. being a human being. And that is another, we'll you know, maybe talk about that in a moment. But we are not God in that sense. Our bodies are not meant to function 24-7. We must honor what it takes for these bodies, you know, to actually function. And I and I just want to echo it because when we say body, mm-hmm. body image immediately gets transposed in mm-hmm. that. So our bodies are so different. Mm-hmm. Everybody's body is their own and different. And um, we have to climb out of my body needs to look a certain way. Yeah in order for me Mm -hmm. to even be pleasing to God or whatever. So um, do you have any quick thing to say about, about, how do you say it quick? Um, Well, I think without saying it. To talk about body image? Just for a second. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, if if we want to talk about scripture and where we can go to in scripture, I think Psalm 139 is a beautiful place where the psalmist talks about the wonder of his body. And it's a male uh, there. But it is a person, David, talking about experiencing his body as a gift and saying, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's hard for us to accept that biblical theological truth in a culture that, you know, really denigrates our bodies and judges us on the basis of our bodies. But somehow it has to begin with a belief that the body is a gift. Your body as it is is a gift from God to you. My body as it is is a gift from God to me. And I need to receive it as that and see it as as a really good gift. So it's, it's challenging in our culture. I remember one time, and I've had this happen actually more than once, where on the retreat that we do on the body, we devote a whole retreat yeah. to the body. And some people have such a struggle with seeing their bodies as a good thing that they've actually told me, you know, every time you use the word body, I cringe. Yes. I can't yes. stand it. I, I That does not surprise yes. me at all. Yeah. That's sad, isn't it? Oh, To yes. think that yes. even the use of the word yes. to talk about the thing yes. is so hard for some of us to actually, it's like, you know, it's nails on a, on a you know, yeah, I know, on a chalkboard. And more and more, it's not just women. Mm-hmm. More and more yes. oh, I know. men are experiencing this as well mm-hmm. in a different way, I think, because uh, objectification is, yeah. is, is a different thing for, well, anyway, um, there's so much more to say in that. I know. I, well, can, you know what? We've got to say a couple other practices okay. because we okay. do, I do want to get these out. You okay. can go to sacred rhythms to get more, but it begins with caring for the body. Yes. Um, but then after that, we can learn to pray in our bodies. And this uh-huh. is where you explore the idea that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, I only heard that in the youth message about abstaining from premarital right. sex. 
That's not what God is saying. I mean, do you know what a temple is? A temple is a place of prayer, right? A a temple is a place of encounter with God. So what does that mean? Just take time to think about what it means that your body is a place where you can encounter God. It's a place where you can actually pray. And there are prayer methods that engage the body rather than disembody us. There are prayer methods, and we do one of these um, in the transforming community where we invite people to pray in their bodies. And it's an amazing experience because we experience prayer in a different way in the body than just if we think of prayer as being something that happens in our heads or or words that we say. And actually our body knows things that our minds don't want to know until we allow the body to speak. So there's caring for the body, then there is praying in the body, and then there is the willingness to listen in the body, which has to do with discernment. Yes. Where the body is actually constructed in such a way that it can tell you things that your mind doesn't know. So when your stomach is turning over with stress, your mind wants to say, well, I'm not stressed, but your stomach is all tied up in knots. Your body wants to tell you something that you're not able to know at the level of your mind. Um, Sometimes people will report, you know, a sense that there's something that's frightening and, and they'll feel it. The body will feel that they're in a threatening situation before their eyes see anything, before their minds know anything. Your body knows that something scary is going on and it's time to yes. you know, flee or whatever. The body knows things. And then as it relates to discernment, um, the body is a place of paying attention because God has made our bodies in such a way that we can pay attention to what drains life from us and what gives life to us, a, a sense of life filling us. And when we learn how to pay attention, to what feels like life and what feels like death within our bodies, the bodies actually become an aid in discernment. So there's so much that God means to happen in and through our bodies. Yes. So how does the experience of being male and female Mm -hmm. uh, and honoring our sexuality relate to honoring the body as a spiritual practice? Mm -hmm. And that's where we could really go on for days. But um, obviously the first thing is that we really sink and settle into the fact that God created male and female and called it good. Yes. And in fact, God made us male and female in God's image. So one interesting point that we can become more and more aware of is that man by himself or woman by herself doesn't image God perfectly or fully. Yes. It's going to take men and women together to image and fully reflect the person of God. So God um, um, contains all that is male and female, and God also transcends. God is not male or female. God transcends both. God incorporates both, but God transcends as well. And I think many women in particular, because of the way that they have been raised and socialized, often have they see God as being male primarily, yes. and so they have a hard time grasping the fact that they too reflect the image of God and say things about God that can't be said through the male experience. It ha- it comes through the experience of being female and being created in that image. And so the idea that our, our creation as male and female can be a place of theological reflection. You know, what does it say about God that God created male and female? What does your being a man say about God? What does my being a woman say about God? How can I reflect on my life as a male or a female? And how can we share that with each other across lines of gender in such a way that help us to know God better? That we actually see this as a place of theological reflection yes. about who God is. Yes. A place of revelation. Yes. Uh, that God, things that God wants us to know because God created us male and female. So that's, I hope, um, elevating to both male and female about what it means to be uh, whichever one you are. Um, and then, of course, the issue of sexuality and the dynamic that's there between male and female 
well, that's a place of theological reflection. Yes. What does it say about God, that God made male and female, but then he created this spark, this chemistry between male and female? And that's a very exciting idea as well. What does that say to me about God? Well, depending on how you want to look at it, it could say that God is a sexual being on one level. Yes. That 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 dynamic that God has placed between male and female actually reflects something of who God is. That life force, that desire to, to create and to co-create, um, all of that expresses something of who God is, and God called it good. Right. So not only did he create it, but he actually said the creation of male and female and the sexual dynamic between them is something that he calls very good. We call it a problem right. oftentimes. Huge issue. Yeah, it's a huge issue. It's something that we try to submerge. But God is saying, no, that's really good stuff. Yes. You know? I will never forget this mm. retreat. And you use that language of we were talking about men and women mm. in ministry together, working together, mm. not not married, mm-hmm. but working together, yeah. partnering together. And you, in your way, got all sparkly mm-hmm. and said, <laughs> so funny. when men and women work together, yeah. there will be sparks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just let that sit in the room mm-hmm. for a second. And everyone knows that's true. Yeah. Everyone in that room yeah. knows that's true. But mm-hmm. no one had ever, mm-hmm. at least to me, mm-hmm. said it like that before. Um, it was like, no, if there is a spark, you're that's doing wrong. something wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you talk more about yeah. that? Because that was revolutionary for me. Yeah, well, when I talk about the fact that God created us male and female, and then He also created that spark, yeah, you know that 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 God was um, creating something that reflects who God is, and that makes it good. Yeah. So then the question becomes, how can we live with that spark in a way that's fruitful and life giving and safe, yeah. and and that actually produces good for the kingdom, yeah. which I believe it does, and I believe that it can. And so I think part of our spirituality is really coming to grips with this aspect of our human experience and coming to peace about it while at the same time respecting its power. And that is the fine line that we're trying to walk, is that we embrace the gift of our lives and our bodies, which includes our gender and which includes sexuality and the dynamic between men and women. Um, and so we embrace it as the gift that it is and really enjoy the gift that it is while at the same time respecting the power of it and being wise with the sparkiness yeah. of it. And so I, th- I think I talked somewhere about how to um, live within the sparks that are there between male and female, but yeah. not burning down the forest. Yeah. You know, you got to contain it. You got to contain the fire and the sparks a little bit so the whole forest doesn't get burned yeah. down. But I will say that I think this is a much healthier way to deal with it than the repression that has been characteristic of life in the church up until now. And I think one of the reasons we've had so much sexual failure in the church is because we've repressed sexuality rather than helping people to receive it as the gift that it is and learn how to live with it wisely and, and learn how to live with it beautifully rather than in a way that we're scared all the time. Right. Uh, And of course, when we're scared, that means that we have to dismiss each other. Right. And that's very painful. So many women have lived on the receiving end of of men in, in ministry being scared of them. Right, because so of the they'll idea never that have lunch. They'll never have you. lunch. They yep. can't close the door. You can't get in a car together. And there's this feeling of fear always around that male-female thing. And um, so I have been in places in churches where we've actually gotten to have these kinds of teachings as part of our life together on staff. And it's been a joy to be a part of those conversations because we can get to a place where there's a, a, a great deal more comfort with this dynamic so that it can become a blessed thing rather than something to be afraid of and something that limits our ministry effectiveness because it oh, yeah. really does affect you know limit our effectiveness if we can't even meet together or drive anywhere 
together. You know, (laughs) know. it limits what we can do and be. I couldn't agree more. And I think it, I've often heard when women aren't allowed to, um, allowed, even that word allowed, when women aren't given the freedom Mm -hmm. to express their gifts fully, it harms them. It harms mm-hmm. women, and it does. Yeah. But it also harms men. It does. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 it. If God is all that is masculine mm-hmm. and all that is feminine, and we're only mm-hmm. men and women only receiving a male image of God, yeah. everybody loses. That's right. And so we gotta. Um, and it also makes me reflect that if we're not spending time in silence and solitude, mm-hmm. spending time with intimacy with God through prayer and finding God in the scriptures. Then when we experience the spark, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have any place to, safe to go with right. it. And so my encouragement is that when people experience the spark, that they've already cultivated this really safe place with God. And they've hopefully also co- um, cultivated a safe spiritual direction relationship or spiritual companionship where they can bring it out into the light of conversation and just talk about it, which always then makes it dissipate. I mean, then rather than becoming this dark secret that grows, it just, you know, dissipates the scary part and helps you to live well yeah. with the, the reality of what it is. Okay. Yeah. So can we go back to a little bit more of a general principle of limits? Mm-hmm. Because I think honoring the body really does have to do with honoring the limits that we have. Mm-hmm. Talk about what you've learned about that. Yeah. Well, we don't like to talk about limits, especially leader types. Um, And, of course, here in the United States anyway, and probably around the world, this whole image of Superman, you know, uh, the man who could jump small, tall buildings in a single bound and save the world in every episode and all that sort of thing. That sort of became an icon in our culture for what we think can happen, that that some of us, a few of us are going to be supermen and superwomen and we'll be able to live beyond limits. And yet what I've come to understand is that there's something that's really God-honoring and beautiful about someone who's learned to live within their limits and rather than always pushing their limits. And that, in fact, some of our discernment about what God is calling to in our lives, calling us to, can actually emerge from our willingness to see our limits and know our limits. And not only our personal limits, but the limits of this particular stage of my life, yeah. the limits of this particular community that God has given me, um, yes. you know, the, the the ability to accept that as, as God's will in your yes. life. If you want to know what God's will is, one of the ways you can know it is by paying attention to your limits and saying, this is what I'm capable of. Um, we all know that disease is connected with our uh, inability to live within limits. Um, disease is connected with stress. Um, there's something about someone who's always pushing against limits that's not very peaceful. Right. There's a lack of acceptance. Um, it's a, there's a kind of drivenness or um, an erratic sort of ungrounded uh, character of their leadership because they're not grounded in the reality of who they are in God and the limits of their life. So I think that living within limits is a part of what it means to honor the body, to say, I am this. So the age I am, I have limits in my body now that I didn't have 20 years ago. I hope that there's a beauty that comes when I when I accept that. Yeah. When people are in their 70s, when they keep pushing and pushing and can't stop. Well, that's not beautiful. That's just awkward. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, so part of honoring the body is to live within its limits and to really find the will of God in in the midst of the stage that we're in right now, whatever that is. And this goes back to your body will tell on you mm-hmm. when you're right. not. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Yeah. We'll start having physical symptoms yep. because whether or not your ego or your mind wants to accept the limits, your body is saying, no, there are limits. Yeah. Whether you want to believe it or not, there are. And so that's why we have the heart attack. That's why we have the, heart, the high blood pressure. You know, that's why we are ill. And yeah. in fact, Wayne Mueller in his book on Sabbath keeping talks about the fact that if we don't take Sabbath, that our illnesses will create Sabbath for us. Our cancer will create Sabbath for us. Our accidents will create Sabbath for us because the body knows that there are limits and it will find a way to tell us these are the limits. When I first planted this church mm-hmm. that I planted about three years ago, the first three months were just killer. Mm-hmm. I was meeting so many people, raising yes. money and inviting people to be in on yeah. this exciting thing. Mm-hmm. And 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 then um, at the end of that three-month period, I signed the contract with my denomination. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it. And yeah. on that day, on that very day, I got pneumonia. Yeah. And Your body I, had been waiting yeah. to say to yeah. you, this is too yeah. much. Yeah. And I was out of commission mm-hmm. yeah. for 10 days. Yeah. And oh, it was yeah. really serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. And that's not the only time. Uh, right. And that is your body um, talking to you. Yes. I mean, that's that's where discernment resides in the body, too. Yes. That's your body saying, in case you were wondering, yeah. in case you had a question <laughs> yeah. about your pace of yeah. life, I'm here to tell you <laughs> that it's not working. <laughs> and that could even be a grace, you know, yeah. in a weird way. Uh, okay, let's let's talk about the actual body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it mean to honor the body of Christ as a spiritual discipline? Even when, mm-hmm. as we look around, maybe it feels so broken sometimes. Right. Well, I think that learning to honor our physical bodies can actually give us a lot of hints about how yeah. to honor the body of Christ. And it's interesting, isn't it, that in Scripture, you know, one of the metaphors that the Holy Spirit gave to the biblical writers was to talk about the body of Christ as a body with many yeah. members, right. uh, which is what makes me want to stand up and pay attention and wonder what are the connections between honoring our physical bodies and learning how to honor the body of Christ. And so the very categories that we think about for honoring the physical body, caring for it, um, praying in it, honoring its limits, letting it help us discern, listening to the body, that all of those kinds of things are ways that we can honor the body of Christ as well, even in our tough even in our tough times, you know, I mean, we, we, we only have the body that we have, right. We can't get rid of it just because we don't like it. Right. And so we have to find a way to live in it and to love it and to care for it. And I think the same can be true for the body of Christ. We as Christian people are part of the body of Christ, whether we feel good about it on any day or not, whether we love it or not, doesn't matter. We are part of the body of Christ. We can't get outside it as long as we are following Christ, you know? So can we learn how to care for it? What would that look like in our own situation? Are we pushing the body of Christ in our context beyond its limits, you know? Are there broken places that need attention? Can we stop all of our programming for a while and pay attention to the broken relationships or the issues that are unresolved or the questions that are bubbling up in this community? Can we stop for a bit and and pay attention to what's really going on here and care for it and love it and heal it? You know, the very thing you would do for your body if it were sick or wounded, could we do that, you know, for the body of Christ? Um, are we really praying? See, this is an interesting question. The body of Christ is a place where we're supposed to be encountering God and praying and worshiping. Can we let the whole body of Christ inform how we pray and how we worship? And this gets to the, you know, to the topic of diversity. Yeah. You know, can yes. we embrace a variety of ways in which the body of Christ knows how to pray and how to worship? And can how we gather reflect more of the diversity of the body of Christ than just the limits of our own one way of doing it? Um, and then discernment. When when it comes time to make decisions as, that affect the whole body of Christ, are we really listening to all the members, or 
do we just have this ivory tower situation where a few key people get together and make decisions for everybody else and we never listen to the foot we never listen yeah. to the hand we never listen to the ear you know the scriptures say that we don't have any right to say to another part of the body i have no need of you so when we when we make decisions are we really valuing each member of the body and allowing them to speak and to give their perspective so um and you know our answer is no because mm-hmm. they because they'll slow us down right Right. No, I'm not going to listen to the broken toe yeah, because right. if I do... Because I want to keep running, you exactly. know? Yeah. So I think that in in some beautiful way, learning how to honor our own physical bodies can give us some hints and clues about how to honor the body of Christ that we are all a part of. Beautiful. Uh, so that's honoring the body. Mm-hmm. It's the so, beginning anyway. It's the beginning. It's the beginning. So much more to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, But in the next episode, episode six, we're going to talk about transformation through self-knowledge and self-examination. And I really am looking forward Mm -hmm. to that one, too, because I think um, that just feels like what's next. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I can't wait for that. Any any clues about where we're going? Just don't be afraid. I think we've limited our thoughts about self-examination to be more about shame and critique and things like that but this is going to be life-giving it's it's uh, nothing to be afraid of all right episode six fear not thanks so much for listening today there are so many podcasts out there and we are grateful that you've chosen to spend this 30 minutes with us thank you so much steve for such a great set of questions and for taking your own step of faith to join a transforming community so long ago in 2011 If you're a pastor or a clergy person or hold a leadership position in some Christian ministry organization, and if you want to forge a stronger connection between your soul and your leadership, and if the topic of today strikes a chord with you, um, consider this as an invitation to learn more about the Transforming Community, a two-year experience of spiritual formation for pastors and Christian leaders. Our experience is grounded in scripture. It's animated by a Trinitarian approach to transformation in community. It's informed by the richness and the diversity of our Christian heritage. So if you'd like to take advantage of that, just visit our blog, transformingcenter.org, find the show notes for this episode, and we'll also have links there to the other resources that we have mentioned in this podcast. Thank you for listening. We pray that these resources and this conversation will be an ongoing blessing for you in your life and leadership.